Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. A little bit of shameless self-promotion here for a moment. Actually, it's not self-promotion. It's just promotion. I'm promoting something else. So I guess from that standpoint, maybe it's a little less shameless. But the point is, I think the Dog Nation YouTube page is really worth your time here right now. Some of the stuff that we've gotten from Georgia coaches the last couple of days, I believe, has been outstanding. And it's been kind of fun to pivot. Not that I don't love UGA recruiting, and we're going to do a lot of that on our show today. I'm here for all of that, too. But there's something about the the talk about the upcoming season that's now only really a couple of weeks away that just sort of hits a little bit different because it feels like we're going to have some sort of resolution to some of this kind of stuff far sooner than we're going to have really ultimate resolution on some of these recruiting issues so when you've got Georgia coaches and this week we've heard from four of them we've heard Mike Bobo and Dale McGee yesterday you know Glenn Schumann Todd Hartley earlier this week and I, I think you ought to spend some time watching all of those interviews those press conferences because i just thought you got some really deep uh analysis from the coaches wide-ranging commentary from them i thought they were really honest and they came across as you know really authentic and i just think it's kind of a cool thing to experience guys that we don't hear from a ton and they're very interesting they're obviously key components to georgia's success and so if you haven't visited the dog nation youtube page to see those i'm not just saying this because maybe I'm supposed to I honestly believe that you'll enjoy that it'll be a good use of your time so I hope you'll check that out now there is also something that one of those coaches said yesterday that I do admit might ought to be kind of considered here from a certain stripe of UGA fan I don't mean to be this negative because I'm honestly not in a bad mood or negative about this but I do think there is a, a a vantage point with which you can look at something that one of the Georgia coaches said yesterday and sort of see that as perhaps a little bit of a warning uh, a little bit of a reminder of hey just be careful don't put yourself out there too far don't say something you can't take back later on just a little bit of a reminder about some of that kind of stuff now let me give you some backstory and then we'll kind of get to the point that I'm trying to make here's what we know about the last two years of Georgia football there were some Georgia fans, and I don't mean to bring up a touchy subject, but it's just a fact. Facts are on my side in this particular case. There was kind of there was kind of a pocket of Georgia fans that sort of backed themselves into a corner with their belief that Stetson Bennett was not capable of being the kind of quarterback to lead Georgia to great success. That's almost been completely forgotten in a race because of how successful Bennett ultimately became. But there were some Georgia fans kind of feuding with other Georgia fans for a while about the thought of, you know, somehow Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin, offensive coordinator at the time, making some sort of great error by by going with, staying with Stetson Bennett, and somehow that was doomed to fail. Georgia fans believed that and almost became their their dominant personality trait, right? They were anti-Bennett type folks, and that's really kind of the way they thought of themselves. That was the way they wanted other people to sort of know them. It gave them maybe some clout, social media online, something like that. I'm not quite sure uh, you know, what the, the payoff on that was, but they became deeply entrenched in sort of an anti-Stetson Bennett belief. And as Georgia started having great success, I honestly think there was a pocket of Georgia fans once again, not to bring up a touchy subject, but it is just a fact. I believe there was a pocket of Georgia fans that actually had a little bit of a hard time enjoying the 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 success that Georgia was having, at least initially, because the success that Georgia was having was kind of proving some of their previous arguments wrong. And that kind of, kind of became a little bit of a, a dangerous place for those Georgia fans to be. So I am here right now to tell you that based on some words that a Georgia coach used yesterday, that some of you who may have done that before or some of you who may be tempted to do that right now 
be very careful here. Do not put yourself out there too far. Do not say anything right now that you can't take back because if you are proven wrong on that, if, or I should say if your intuition is proven wrong, then ultimately you might live to regret it if you say too much now and kind of don't allow time to sort of play all of this out. Let me, let, let me now get more specific about what I'm talking about. We have seen over the last few days around here, when I look at my comment sections on all the video platforms that we're on or social media and things like that, seeing a little bit of, I think the right word here is skepticism, seeing a little bit of skepticism as it relates to the Georgia running back situation. And the main motivator for all of this is the fact that Kendall Milton is once again dealing with a hamstring injury, much the same way it plagued him during spring and various injuries have kind of plagued him during his Georgia career. We now have Milton as less than a full go here right now. He was dressed in uniform and he was, you know, kind of doing some conditioning work on the side when media got a chance to be at Georgia practice. I think it was on Tuesday, but he is not a full go and a full participant right now. And that has raised a lot of concerns among some Georgia fans about not just the current state of this Georgia running back room, but the status of Milton in particular, because this is supposed to be Kendall's big year here at UGA. Now, on the one hand, I get it. Anytime this many Georgia fans are talking about any one subject, it's at least worth considering. And there's a certain wisdom of crowds that sort of kind of bleeds into stuff like this of if enough people think the same thing, even if they're wrong, you should at least consider what it is they're saying. And enough people have sort of brought up and addressed issues as it relates to Georgia running backs here right now that it's at least worth considering. In fact, on our show, we have considered some of this over the course of the last couple of years. We've kind of pointed out, hey, a little bit of a different statistical profile for Georgia at the running back spot. Not quite as many explosive runs as you would have seen from this group before. And perhaps there's all kinds of reasons for why that is. Offense has certainly changed. We'll talk more about that in a moment based on something that Del McGee said. But but we ourselves have even kind of contributed to the conversation of, hey, this needs to be a big year for Georgia running backs, be a great way to kind of help a brand new quarterback, uh, be a great way to provide a value add for this offense overall. There is an opportunity here for the Georgia running back situation to provide just a little bit more for this team right now. And I feel comfortable in what we've said about all of that. And I certainly understand why Georgia fans are very anxious, kind of on pins and needles, to see the best of Kendall Milton for a full season because it seems like he's been so close to breakout for for such a long time. And, you know, for whatever reason, either because of the overall depth in the room or the injuries that he's dealt with or whatever else, we haven't quite gotten there with Kendall yet. So I get the anxiousness, the, 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 the eagerness to kind of see that from Kendall Milton. I understand all of that. But just be very, very careful that you don't allow that feeling of, hey, I'm ready to see more from Georgia running backs. I'm ready to see more from Kendall Milton, ready to see him stay healthy. Be very careful that you don't let some concern about what you believe might be happening with this Georgia running back spot right now allow you to take your point of view and your opinion too far and you end up saying something you can't take back because much the same way uh, Stetson Bennett sort of proved some doubters and detractors wrong, even within the bubble of dog nation, this Georgia running back situation, if you doubt it too much going into the start of the year, might have the opportunity to kind of do the same thing. In fact, this is the kind of word of warning that Dale McGee provided you yesterday. I think when I judge social media, when I judge our comment sections, I see a lot of Georgia fans who are slightly less than confident about what Georgia has at the running back spot right now. 
But that is not the way apparently Dale McGee himself feels about this. In fact, yesterday, he was actually quite positive in looking at the overall situation with this position group, despite the fact there's obviously a high-profile injury and some overall concerns about how this team replaces some of the talent that it's lost in recent years. This is Dale McGee. I'm very confident. Uh, I think we have the right guys. They have the right mindset. Uh, they're, they're working their butts off. Uh, they do extra for us film study. Uh, they're, they're really connected as a, as a group. Uh, and our offense won't live and die by our running backs. We got really, really good players all over the football field. So I think our running back room will be uh, by committee. Whoever has the hot hand will earn those touches uh, and we'll spread the ball out and find out who needs to touch the ball as the game goes on. So let me repeat myself on this for a moment. I fully believe it's fair to ask questions about, okay, what is going on? at running back here right now especially when a guy like Kendall Milton is battling injury especially when the other day Kirby Smart when he was asked directly about running backs he kind of spent more time praising Cash Jones which very very well may prove to be a very good thing and Jones may prove to be a valuable player for UGA but when you're praising Jones and kind of not saying as much about some of the other running backs some of that silence in terms of the other players that really kind of stands out and that becomes I think at times kind of noticeable so we ourselves have asked some significant questions about the Georgia running back situation but I believe what Del McGee is saying there is hey just because there are questions don't assume there aren't also really good answers and McGee believes according to what he says there that there are still some really good answers for Georgia at the running back position McGee at the beginning of that clip uses the word confident so if you have a lack of confidence about this Georgia running back situation right now just know the guy who sees them up close and you know chooses his words pretty carefully he apparently is a lot more confident in his situation than you might be here right now just take that as a word of warning not to get yourself too far out in front on whatever you might believe here even on the case of uh, uh Kendall Milton in particular and you should watch the full video online at dognation.com he got more into the fact that while Kendall's kind of battling this injury remains a very big leader for Georgia right now in other words you know he may be sidelined with a hamstring but he's not sidelined from a uh, uh, I guess top of mind perspective he's still very much a big factor in all this remains a big leader still working very hard and and I think the phrase that uh, McGee used in particular was battling through all this just fine it sounds like McGee thinks even though Kendall's kind of dealt with some of this kind of stuff that he's going to push through and may actually live up to some of the gigantic expectations that have sort of sort of existed for him so be very careful assuming the negative about him or the running back situation or anything like that Georgia has a way of proving its detractors wrong and if you become one of those detractors you yourself could eventually be proven wrong there on that there as well and one more thing before we kind of shift gears and talk about something else I think it's also really interesting how candid Dale McGee was in terms of how we evaluate running backs at Georgia here right now there was a time in 2017 and 2018 when this team was leading the SEC in rushing back-to-back years, and you know how explosive the tandem of Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle were, obviously, in 2016-2017, but even in 2018, people forget how good of a year Elijah Holyfield had it for Georgia. And Holyfield and Swift as a tandem that year were really just as effective running the ball as probably the more famous uh, Chubb and Michelle had been in the prior year, that Georgia was just this dominant force running the ball back then. But in the subsequent years we've seen a little bit of an offensive transformation for UGA they kind of do things a little bit different 
And the way in which Georgia does things different offensively, I believe, requires now a little bit different evaluation of the running back position there as well. And this is one of the areas in which McGee was also candid yesterday in terms of, hey, he's confident that his running backs can have a big year. And in terms of evaluating what it is they do to have a big year, Dell McGee sort of told you how the offensive evolution has impacted the way we should view running backs. This is Dell McGee yesterday. I would say philosophically where we've gone from – the three coordinators that we've had has kind of changed because of uh, who we had in the room. Uh, you know, first getting here with Coach Cheney, uh, just establishing that line of scrimmage, run game. Uh, plus, we had two really good uh, backs that were older that had carried the load and understood running the football, and it wasn't a whole lot to teach there. Uh, and kind of progressing to through uh, Coley and even into Monk and getting the backs more involved in the passing game has uh, tremendously uh, increased. And uh, I think your recruiting philosophy has to change a little bit to kind of cater to what the coordinator wants. And when Munkin was here, he, uh, he showed that he wanted to have running backs that were able to create things in space, catch the football, create matchups for linebackers. and. I think that philosophy still stands. So we know that's the emphatic result of the 2024 class, right? I mean, that's what Nate Frazier is going to be here to do. That's what Dwight Phillips is going to be here to do. You know, obviously, Chauncey Bowen's a part of that group, too. But we know the kind of athleticism that McGee says they are catching the ball out of the backfield. That's what the 2024 uh, soon-to-be signees commits right now. That's what we believe they'll be able to provide. But even on this team here right now, that's the way in which we ought to evaluate what a Dejon Edwards can do, what a healthy Kendall Milton can do. Why it is the Cash Jones has earned some early praise because he might be able to do that. That in the modern version of the Georgia offense here in 2023, now led by Mike Bobo, previously led by Todd Munkin, it's still the same thing according to Dale McGee, that our running backs, he would say, are going to be pass catchers. Uh, the guys that Georgia's employing there at that position are going to kind of show what they can do in the passing attack. And the best versions of the Georgia offense have included a Kenny McIntosh a year ago, a James James Cook before that Sony Michelle kind of going back he was also you know at times a pretty dynamic pass catching weapon in his own right the athletic running back that can catch the football make guys miss in space and turn those into big explosive play so when you're looking for a major contribution from the Georgia running back situation you'll see what they can do when thrown to as much almost as what they can do when they are handing you know and, and taking the ball on, on carries there as well that's kind of the new version of the Georgia running back situation but the overall point here is I get why there's a little bit of angst about this running back situation here right now Kendall Milton's injury setback is a disappointment but Del McGee seems to think uh Kendall can be fine when it matters most and the Georgia running back over room overall which has some questions because we didn't see a ton of healthy guys during spring practice and Georgia's obviously lost a lot from that position over the course of the last couple of years Del McGee remains steadfastly confident there as well so if your confidence has waned, if you're not quite so sure, just be really careful about what you say about this situation right now because Del McGee's the guy who knows, and he seems to think this group can still be pretty good. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger, and good to have you with us across all video platforms. Really, really appreciate that. Podcast as well, radio, so many ways to connect with our show 
and i just really appreciate you picking one being a part of it and doing some fun stuff thank you so much for all of that we are just really really grateful to have you here today and a really big thanks to our friends at kroger for making this all possible there as well obviously kroger's got so many fun things going on here right now i'm going to tell you more about this later on we'll do this with uh, jake Fromm, but i'll remind you here again that kroger chef jr ongoing here right now uh you've got another opportunity to take advantage of this coming up here uh here uh really very soon so this is tomorrow and next uh, what the 26th there as well it's kroger chef jr with the atlanta braves so it's a really fun way to get uh, your kids involved in a cooking experience and sometimes it's just sort of fun for them to see what food preparation is all about this month it's a cool item it's the chili slaw dog obviously you think about baseball and hot dogs kind of going together so Kroger Chef Jr. doing that there as well and it's just $7 per child and you get a chance to make the, the item this month the chili slaw dog but you also get kind of a sort of a Braves uh, branded apron there too which is uh, really cool and the regular stuff that you always get with Kroger Chef Jr. the apron the patch the recipe card holder the tongs all just seven dollars per child so make sure you check out check them out online krogerchefjr.com now as you've heard me say a million times the word junior spelled out j-u-n-i-o-r krogerchefjr.com for a lot more on that by the way speaking of kroger as i said before we'll do a kroger fresh take with jake Fromm here and we'll give you another reminder of uh kroger chef jr at that time as well but uh we'll do that with uh, jake Fromm here before we're done on the show here today and we are also proud right now to announce the final winner of our celebrating outstanding teachers contest courtesy of kroger what a great p- picture of the family there uh good looking georgia shirt there too so andrea lee is our winner here today uh nominated by her husband an extraordinary teacher 18 years of experience in the atlanta area her passion and dedication her husband says has largely gone unrecognized other than the considerable amount of extra responsibilities given to her by principals listen for those of you who know something about the school system you understand that principals are always looking for folks on the job who can just sort of get it done and they always seem to sort of get those extra responsibilities so it sounds like andrea is one of those for sure one of her defining qualities are ability to create a warm and inclusive classroom environment she ensures that every student not only receives great education but also feels cared for. And that's what great teachers uh, certainly do uh, for sure. So she's uh, been in uh, Forsyth, Gwinnett, Hall County, which is obviously the county I grew up in. So that's kind of a cool thing. Uh, tremendous, tremendous legacy for her as a great teacher and a very, very worthy worthy uh, final recipient of our Celebrating Outstanding Teachers Contest, courtesy of Kroger. So Andrea Lee, 18 great years of work. Wonderful family that she's doing a great job taking care of there too. You love to be able to see that. So congratulations, Andrea, and thanks for a great submission. Andrea gets four great gift cards. Uh, Nominator gets a great uh, gift card there as well. So great, great celebration of a wonderful teacher. And boy, we're kind of back to school everywhere now. And so it's fun to see everybody back and enjoying that. And of course, great teachers make all of that possible. We've got some recruiting stuff coming up with Jeff Sintel here in a couple of minutes. That is going to be a lot of fun. Prior to that, let's go around the doghouse. And it's poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Always fun to have them with us here on a Friday. And tomorrow is kind of an interesting day around Dog Nation in that Georgia will hold a scrimmage inside of Sanford Stadium. Now, when I talk to Jake Fromm later on, we're going to talk about this. The vibe of a scrimmage, it's 11 on 11. You know, you're in a stadium. There are some people in the stadium, some of the... Uh, some of the wealthier among us uh, will get a chance to be there tomorrow. A lot of the McGill folks get invited to be a part of this, so they'll be having a good time there and uh, be in on all of that. Uh, but the point is, is it's a pretty good measuring stick for where things stand with a lot of the competitions ongoing for Georgia right now. 
And in particular, obviously, the most interesting part of that's what's going to happen at quarterback. You know, Carson Beck, who I think has been perceived to be the leader, does he hold on to that status? Is Brock Vandergriff working to kind of close the gap on all of this kind of stuff? So yesterday, we got a chance to hear from Georgia offensive coordinator Mike Bobo. Now, the majority of what Bobo talked about during his time, we'll get into probably, I would say, more in the days to come, because he gave some great insight into his evolution as a coach from the time he was at Georgia before to now being back at Georgia, what he learned specifically from Todd Monk. And like a lot of that stuff is just really very good. I used the word honest before. I think it's just really honest and authentic. And we're going to get into more of that because I think it's just very compelling. But for now, though, Bobo on the subject that all offensive coordinators are asked about, quarterback competition, how it's playing out, what you're looking to see. This is what Mike Bobo said about quarterbacks yesterday. We're basically finishing up our last day of install uh, today, uh, and then and then tomorrow will be a review, and then we have the scrimmage. But I've been pleased with, with all the quarterbacks. Uh, we've been focusing on the process of each practice and each install and focusing on what we can control in that moment. Uh, these guys have done a great job. They've been ups and downs, but they've been focused. They've come into every meeting ready to go, prepared before the meeting. And then Saturday we, is a scrimmage. It's the closest thing that we can get to a, to a game. It's how are you going to handle those situations when you're out there with a team by yourself? There's no coaches on the field. And the bottom line for a quarterback, it's, you know, can we execute? Are you going to be able to execute and get us in the right play, get us in the right protection, run the offense, handle third down situations, red zone situations? And that's what we're looking for, handling those situations in a game and having continuity on offense. You've heard the old cliche about if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? You know, that's not going to be the scrimmage tomorrow. It's not going to be a silent tree falling in empty woods. There are going to be people there. There are going to be, you know, boosters there. And they are going to talk about what they see. And oftentimes quarterbacks can be a fairly simple evaluation. Not footwork and things like that, but did the ball go where it was supposed to go? Did the offense end up in the end zone? And if it does, we'll hear about it. And for, for either of these guys, Vandegrift, Stockton, uh, obviously Carson Beck, and for those who legitimately are, you know, McGill types and they've been to these kind of scrimmages before, what they'll tell you is, hey, this is real football. Now, quarterbacks aren't being tackled to the ground, but it's real football. This is, this is an offense trying to score on the Georgia defense, and that ain't easy. Bad grammar intentional. In other words, if you've been to some of these McGill scrimmages before, what I've heard from people who have been – is that hey (laughs) sometimes the ball doesn't go into the end zone as much as you think it probably should because this is once again a team trying to score on Georgia's defense so it is quite possible that it's not the greatest day in the world for a back or a Vandergriff whatever else this is not like one of those made for TV type things the way that some spring games are where it's designed to make so and so look good this is designed to get good you know sometimes spring games are, are, are designed to make you look good not necessarily always at Georgia but certainly some other places they have you know they have spring games that are basically like the equivalent of professional wrestling where the first team offense is against the sort of jobber squad of like the you know low you know second team defense Georgia doesn't do its spring games that way but some SEC teams do because they want the first team offense to look good because they want the fans to leave happy well that's what some teams do for their spring game that is definitely not what Georgia's doing for this thing tomorrow this is real football and let's see how ready you are to kind of play against a real opponent far tougher by the way than almost anything that Georgia will face in September is what it's going to face tomorrow 
So that's the context for all of this. And if one of those quarterbacks can look good in that moment, no matter which unit they're facing Georgia defensively, because honestly, we would say second and third team defenses for Georgia are still a pretty uh, tough, you know, that's a pretty full meal to try to eat in its own right. So the the rumors and the stuff that kind of comes out here are going to be, you know, really interesting. And the degree to which the Kirby Smart chooses to confirm some of this tomorrow, um, I think when he speaks with his press conference, that's going to be pretty interesting too this is the kind of time in which you probably won't have to read between the lines too much if somebody has a really good day we'll probably find it out and if it's one of those deals where you know maybe nobody stood out from the others then that's I don't want to say that's a bad sign for Carson Beck, but but it's tomorrow's Carson's day to show himself like a starting quarterback, to be, even against the number one Georgia defense, you know, the guy that looks like the clear leader in all of this. And the longer it goes without having some sort of confirmation to that effect, then the more the door might be open for a Brock Vandegrift or uh, something like that. So just, just keep all of that in mind in terms of the larger overall context. This is real football tomorrow, and people will be there to see it. And what they see, they will tell. And what they tell could give us a little bit of an insight into what's happening next with this Georgia quarterback situation. Fun time to be a dog fan. A lot going on here right now. And some of that playing out between the hedges there tomorrow with Kirby Smart set to speak after. And, of course, DogNation.com busy covering it all. And that is around the doghouse. And it's poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And, boy, oh, boy. We have had a lot of fun with the Finnish Long Drink through the years. And, you know, like I'm kind of a traditionalist. I'm just sort of a classic guy. And my favorite version of the Finnish Long Drink has been the Long Drink, what they call the traditional. I just sort of think of it as the sort of the classic version. It's the blue can. It's got the grapefruit flavor. It's the gin kick that goes along with that. I just love the way the grapefruit and the gin kind of mix together. I think it's a really fun, especially outdoor summertime drink. I love it for stuff like that. Uh, and many of you kind of have your own version of that there as well. Whether it be the cranberry, the long drink strong, long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. Some of you are trying to get back down to your playing weight ahead of the upcoming season. That's certainly a good way to help you do all of that. But stop the presses moment here because the thing that we've been getting so much reaction about lately is the brand new version of the finished long drink special for the peach state how about a peach flavored version of the finished long drink there as well my prediction is this is going to be a massive part of so many tailgates here coming up over the course of the uh, next few weeks because i mean honestly that can just looks awesome the peach flavored peach sort of peach colored can and we love all of that here in the uh, peach steak to be sure. So if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can find out where you can pick up some finished long drink today, including the brand new peach flavored version of the finished long drink. So I hope that you will do just that. All right. So we are jam packed and loaded and we're going to keep it rolling here. Jake Fromm coming up in just a little bit. Kroger Fresh Take with him. Jake plays a game tonight. We'll talk about that against a familiar foe, which is kind of funny. We'll, we'll get into some of that what to expect from one of these scrimmages inside Sanford Stadium, the way in which the heart beats just a little bit faster when it gets to be 11-on-11 between the hedges, even though it's not a real game. It's still quite competitive. Jake will tell us more about that there as well. And his thoughts and the guy we just heard from, Mike Bobo, there as well. Because, you know, Jake spent some time around this program. Even lately, he kind of has a little bit of insight on that. So we'll cover a lot of that ground with Jake Fromm here coming up in just a couple of minutes. Prior to that, also a lot to break down here now I have said emphatically for days and days and days that I don't think this situation with KJ Bolden is over not by a long shot that's not a prediction that he's coming to Georgia but it is a prediction that this story is not finished yet as far as UGA is concerned is that true we'll let Jeff Sintel tell us now it is dog nation daily 
and it is time for Jeff's Intel to uh, break down some recruiting information here on the program today. Glad to have him and you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So let's bring in Jeff Sintel, and I'll keep the conversation going that I just started right there. Uh, Jeff Kirby Smart's a tough guy, physically, probably, mentally, certainly. And mentally tough people don't get their feelings hurt very easily. You know, last Saturday on streaming video, K.J. Bolden chose Florida State over UGA. But that's not a binding referendum. That's not a signed contract. That's simply the next phase in this recruitment. And I am very steadfast in my belief if Georgia hosted him on 16 visits, if Kirby Smart took the lead in the Bolden recruitment, which we're led to believe that that he did, all of that's not going to change on a dime simply because Bolden said Florida State over UGA. I have been strong in my belief that I think Georgia's going to still make its best pitch for K.J. Bolden. Now, will they match the allegedly exorbitant you know price that florida state supposedly kind of thrown out there maybe not but that doesn't mean they have to either necessarily to win this recruitment there's a lot that can go on as it relates to some stuff like that so separate fact from fiction for me here a little bit do you believe that uga remains a strong factor for kj bolden even though bolden chose florida state last saturday uh good morning hey brandon how's everybody uh i think so yeah i i think Look no greater to no greater example than Peyton Woodard. Peyton Woodard committed to Georgia back in January, and uh, he was like, man, this is the spot. I've known it was the spot. His family even told me from his second visit that he knew Georgia was the spot. But uh, we said many times, Brandon, I actually dabble in a field that's kind of about as unstable as, as it gets, besides like nuclear reactors, I guess, and that's, the hearts and minds and thoughts and emotions of 17, 18-year-old boys. And high schoolers, uh, especially a high school young man, can take their um, – they can change on a dime. So, like, with with Woodyard, there was an example there. Well, Alabama was a dream school, and Alabama kept coming, and um, the official visits went great. And I think that was part of a reevaluation and a change of heart. I think those change of hearts happen all the time. I'm not foolish enough to think that NIL wasn't a major influence here, but uh, there was a reason we've written about K.J. Bolden. We don't like to mis- mislead anybody out there. And for a long time, a very long time, I thought K.J. Bolden was going to be a dog. And even I have, I hold the belief that over the last week leading up to that decision, uh, he went back and forth between Georgia and Florida State. So things can change. What's that one of my favorite movies of all time? I sometimes try to uh, – I, I sometimes always kidded with my friends one way. I believe it was uh, Varsity Blues and that phrase called things change mocks. Well, things change all the time in high school recruiting. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I'm reminded of like the example of Deion Sanders, ironically, a former Noel in his own right. But when he was hired as Colorado coach, you know, the question went to the sort of key leadership there of, you know, do you have the money to pay him? And their basic response was, no, but we're not worried about getting it. And I think that's a template for how a lot of college athletics probably operates. I don't mind telling you that for Florida State, I believe the next phase of all this is, hey, congratulations, you were able to throw out a uh, 
it's like the it's like the logan roy thing you know congratulations you gave the biggest number like so you know congratulations to florida state they threw out the biggest number doesn't take a genius to do that but uh now you've got to actually kind of raise those funds or at least a down payment on those funds and if somehow that doesn't quite happen in the nil age we have seen we've seen some of that fundraising not exactly come at the pace required um if that ends up being the case then that 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 that, that to me is a very easy way in which that door could still remain open yeah i think i think you know the thing with kj though is you know like i keep coming back to i think it's an equation i think it's a formula he loved the place um i was at the ceremony talking to a lot of well-wishers before and afterward to get the pulse of what they thought and he was really ingrained with florida state at an early age and then he wasn't because florida state wasn't you know, ascending. Now Florida State's an ascending program. And I think when I say things can change in recruiting, Brandon, you best believe things can change a lot in college football. Let's say Florida State doesn't have the soaring year that most expect them to be a top five, top ten team. Uh, I think that could put a little um, damper on the spirit there. And I think that what they're trying to do to negotiate their way out of the ACC, that's also another major fundraising effort for, for Florida State as well. Let's see what happens when the games are played. I'm of the belief, Brandon, that there's no better recruiting pitch in the country right now than just watching Georgia play football on a Saturday, watching what they do at home, watching those fans. Um, I, I still am going to refer to that moment last year for most of the 2024 and 2025 classes. Those, those that were in the stands at Tennessee – there's going to be a very high conversion rate on key targets, key undecided targets at the time that wind up being dogs. And the great thing about the Georgia football program right now is they have one of those every site, every season. I can remember pointing to the Clemson game in 2021 when Georgia beat Clemson in Charlotte. It really changed the momentum of the Georgia program. That was the shot in the arm Georgia needed. And I remember vividly coming out of that game talking to recruits and recruits would always tell me how it was like living through that moment, being in that stadium, Brandon. I'm sure a lot of Dog Nation our daily audience is feeling that with me too because when Georgia left that and Clemson was having to leave the stadium and Georgia fans were just berating them in SEC, SEC, and how Georgia fans took over another state stadium and were controlling that moment, that leaves a very powerful memory in the hearts and minds of those young boys as well so let's drill down on this and we'll kind of move on after this i am by no means willing to make a prediction on how this ends but i want to ask you a very specific question here you talked about oh the feeling when you watch georgia that's the best pitch that georgia can make here right now do you believe that bolden will do that in person between the hedges at least some point this year yeah do i think he'll take a visit yeah i think there you go i mean there you go it's kind of too convenient. Um, it's kind of Brandon. We saw Justice Haynes and Caleb Downs in, in in Sanford Stadium last year when those guys had made a very, very much, very much publicized, very uh, controversial decision, at least in Dog Nation, at least in the state of Georgia, to go to Alabama. But then when Georgia teed it up between the hedges for a big game, they were there. Uh, they wanted to be around it. They wanted to watch a good football game, and it was just very close by it's kind of funny how uh proximity to georgia still allows a lot of players that shows elsewhere uh they still want to come to stanford and they still want to see a great football game between two top 15 to top 20 teams 
Uh, they may not get it this year, depending on what some opponents do. But, yeah, I do think that uh, Georgia will draw in some of those guys that um, even the K.J. Bolden types that we see it every year. The guys, the guys are committed. The guys say they're solidly committed, but everybody still looks around. I hope Florida State kept the receipt. That's all I'm saying. I hope they kept the receipt. Uh, but, you know, it's hard not to talk about this without kind of also kind of connecting the Woodyard thing to it there a little bit. So kind of in a similar vein here, I think the the read on this, and admittedly this is probably a little bit of a kind of a half-baked opinion here a little bit. You know, I, clearly I believe Georgia must have wanted Woodyard. He wouldn't have still been a commitment as long as he was if it didn't. But at the same time, it's sort of obvious here that Woodyard took visits after his official visit to UGA. Georgia was clearly, I think, the best that I can tell, more aggressive in the direction of Bolden than it was in the direction of Woodyard. That just kind of, to me, seems at least circumstantially true here. And that somehow, you know, Woodyard's a player that Georgia really liked, but maybe Woodyard himself maybe didn't feel like he was getting the love the way that another uh you know safety in this particular class is how similar is that to your line of thinking on what ultimately led Woodyard to become a member of this Alabama class instead of being in Georgia's well so there's again there's there's the dream school hometown type thing there I know that sounds weird for Woodyard growing up and and residing in California but the Woodyard family has Alabama roots his dad grew up in Mobile his dad Still, you know, he's a deputy chief of the Los Angeles Police Department, very successful, very accomplished, very intelligent man, and he's always been roll tide. He's grown up roll tide, and even when his son chose Georgia, he's like, well, I've been roll tide, but uh, I'm a bigger Peyton Woodyard fan than I am an Alabama fan. So um, he was kind of going to be a dog as long as uh, Peyton Woodyard was in, a, was, in, was in the state of Georgia playing for Georgia. You know, that's one factor, but here's what I really think, B.A., I think what was different about the Woodyard recruiting is, even though he chose Georgia very early, based on a key core relationship with Fran Brown, he wasn't the type of safety Georgia has been going out going out for recently. And what I mean by that is the supreme athlete, the one that could play a lot of positions. That could play the nickel, could play a nickel corner for some, could play the star for Georgia, could play some corner and still play winning football and not get your beat. Um, at least coming into Georgia, Kirby Smart talks about cross-training a lot, but Georgia likes to bring in a lot of highly adaptable DBs. I think John Aguero is one of those. Javon Bullard is showing that right now, and will do so again this season right before our very eyes. But Woodard is a guy that was always going to be a three-down safety, maybe a mock safety. He was a traditional safety. Uh, athleticism probably wasn't his chief core trait, at least not blinding speed. He was football IQ savvy. He was intelligent. He was a smart player. He was physical. And in comparison to guys like Malachi Starks, uh, K.J. Bolden, of course, and even a guy like Cam McKell, which I think you start thinking about what does Georgia do in that defensive backfield going forward now, when all of a sudden it felt like Noah's Ark, they were crammed in two-by-two with All-Americans in the the safety safety depth chart, the future safety depth chart. All of a sudden you've got at least two seasons count this one with Malachi Starks. You got three seasons with Joe Aguero. I think Ja'Cory Thomas is still around doing some good things, but it's kind of funny, Brandon, how maybe the maybe how the fortunes or the outlook for the safety spot at Georgia, at least on the recruiting trail, started to dim over the last two weeks. At the same time you heard glowing reports about Chris Peel, Kyron Jones, 
again, another two pair of guys that run 10-5s, 10-4s, that can play a lot of positions in the back, in the defensive secondary for Georgia. Uh, you heard a lot of Justin Rent as well, really fast, athletic, physical jackhammer DBs uh, that were already impressing in fall camp. So while everyone looks to the recruiting trail and says, hey, man, Jeff, where are the safeties? Who are the safeties going to be now? I would like to remind folks that Georgia always goes hard in the lane, hard in the paint for DBs every year, and they picked up three or four really good DBs aside from a guy like A.J. Harris, who's a pure corner um, in the 2023 class. And those, those, for, those seeds are already bearing fruit right now with some glowing reports or at least some good reports coming out of fall camp for all those gentlemen. Let's talk about uh, the commitment of Nate Frazier, the uh, four-star running back going back to Saturday. I mean, that's a guy that you know out, multiple outlets going to have as number one running back overall. So this is a big-time gift for Georgia. And to me, you know, maybe obviously Dylan Riola probably takes the top spot here, but the second most fun thing about this 2024 class for Georgia, I believe, Jeff, is the athleticism brought in at the running back position. Um, obviously, Frazier's an example of that, and that's the man of the out here right now. But I'm going to tell you, and I know I got a little bit of a peach state bias, I guess, sometimes. But, Jeff, I've talked to a lot of people over the last few days. They are buzzing about Dwight Phillips. You know, Dwight Phillips is a guy right now you can't kick to. You cannot kick to him. Um, if you're on, if he's on your schedule, you know that now. You cannot kick off to Dwight Phillips because, you know, he housed one from 95 yards of the day in a scrimmage. So that's a guy here. You know, Frazier's megawatt athlete here right now. I think Chauncey Bowen's flipping him from Florida. That's a big deal. One of three top ten backs in this 2024 class. We heard from Dell McGee this week. I thought he was outstanding at the podium. And listen, I think McGee's got reason to flex here right now. The athleticism that he's about to repopulate this Georgia running back room with, Jeff, I think it's substantial, and I think that Frazier's a big part of that. So give me a, give me a thumbnail on the Frazier commitment, if you don't mind. Yeah, so you said a lot there, B.A. Um, I think to thumbnail what you said there about about Phillips, um, I think he's going to be the most electric player in this class. Uh, and he, he tells me with all authority in the world, I think his, his dad might even start training him a little bit for his senior year. He wants to run in the 10s, Brandon, the 10 O's, 10.06, 10.07, 10.10, as a senior in high school. And, Brandon, I don't think there's ever been a player, and if people people would probably write to challenge me and say, well, what about Herschel way back when in 1980? Uh, he started running some impressive track times. I'm talking about a high school kid with a verified laser uh, time. Uh, Dwight Phillips probably will be the most laser-verified, fastest prospect Georgia has ever brought in to the program, and, and yet somehow there's probably seven or eight names, maybe even nine or ten names, that get folks more excited in this recruiting class. Uh, it's something different, and I was very glad our, Connor, our, our colleague Connor Riley asked Del McGee this question yesterday because it had been on my mind, and he asked him a specific question about how Del McGee's recruiting philosophy has evolved over his eight years at Georgia, and I think it was a sodium pentothal answer from Coach McGee. He was very straightforward and honest, and he said, well, quite honestly, one of the things that happens is your needs as a recruiter uh, you go out looking for those traits that are valued by your offensive coordinator. So for a lot of folks that wonder what Mike Bobo is going to be like and will he kind of continue what's going with Todd Bunkin, Del McGee gave you the roadmap to the answer right there. He said that they were looking for backs that could do more vertically, that could do more in the passing game, and they can help you a little bit more on all three downs compared to previous classes. There was an adjustment 
in recruiting philosophy to look for a player like a Dwight Phillips and also to look for a player like Nate Frazier. Right on the bulletin board thing you can say about Nate Frazier is there are no Sean Marino, DeAndre Swift parallels to this game. And then there's probably 33% of his game that I feel is unique to this specific back. He's 5'10", he's about 200, 5'10", 5'11", he's about 210 pounds. He's a 10'5 guy as well. Somehow Georgia has two backs where one guy is uh, three or four tenths of a second faster than the next fastest back in the room. And that causes not consternation, but outright jubilation and break your chair excitement a little bit. I think Frazier, the most things people need to know about him. I was so excited about the commitment on before the hedges this week that I, I did something that I'll probably do a lot more of, but I wanted to take his greatest hits off his film and break down why I think Nate Frazier is special. And that means distilling seven and a half minutes of highlight reels to about three minutes of pure highlight gold. And Nate Frazier even, I love it, Brandon, his huddle highlight tape has a specific section of him in pass pro and picking up blocks and taking on four-star linebackers coming in off the edge by himself or jumping up in the gap and stoning somebody coming through a gap off a free release to the quarterback. Nate Frazier can show you all the home runs. He can show you his taillights. He can show you a touchdown goes Frazier, but then he can pick up and do pass pro as well. As we all know, Brandon, that's the quickest way for a, an RBU talent to get on the field at Georgia is show you can protect the passer on third down. And Nate Frazier, simply put, he's the highest rated back Georgia has signed since Zamir White and James Cook in 2018, Brandon. Yeah. That's five full cycles. Now, Georgia's went and got a lot of diamonds in the rough or gems that turned out to be true gems. Um, but they haven't gotten a back quite like this um, going all the way back as far as the, the overall ranking goes, quite like this, going all the way back to Zamir and James Cook in 2018. Next week, decision day will finally have arrived for five-star defensive lineman Williams Winnery on three ranks as the number one overall prospect in the country right now. What's the latest on where things stand with him? Yeah, um, all of a sudden Missouri has really came up out of nowhere, and Mizzou's a school that you know went to head, 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 head with Georgia for an in-state prospect with Luther Burden. And it may have taken an entire line of potato chips to do so, but uh, Mizzou was able to keep that talent in state. I'm paying close attention to a recent NIL legislation in the state of Missouri, Brandon, where players that sign with the in-state school uh, can start receiving NIL monies immediately while they're still in high school. Uh, and that's a kind of a that's kind of an agenda setter right now for a program that wants to keep their key blue chip prospects in state and what i'm hearing brandon i'm just gonna be frank and honest i'm hearing there's an nil significant nil portion of this recruitment right now and we all know georgia is not going to be the highest bidders at all when it comes to an nl nil recruitment no matter how good you are yeah i mean obviously that's you know been the i think the concern the entire time here otherwise you know missouri probably wouldn't have much of a chance on this at all you'd be sort of stand you'd sort of stand to believe. Uh, so it sounds like, I think we conclude from that, that you don't think it's good news for Georgia here right now. Not right now, I don't think. And it just means it's going to have to be a paradigm shift in terms of what the athlete wants. Does the athlete want that NFL development that only a school like Georgia and maybe a couple others can provide? Or does he want a combination of the two? Or what does he really think? Is it a belief in himself that he can get to the first round of the NFL draft out of anywhere? 
I know that he likes Georgia a lot. I know he has family in the state of Georgia. I know Georgia is more than one of those um, <clears throat> uncreased bills, hats on the table. I think Georgia has, has a chance here to win this recruitment. But I think it's, gonna, it's really going to come down to, Brandon, is what the recruit is going to value when it comes time to make that decision. Is it uh, he can point to how, when was the last time Mizzou had a first-round defensive lineman drafted? Or he could point to when was the last time Georgia had first-round defensive lineman drafted or a number-one overall pick drafted and that those guaranteed NFL monies that come with that. I think it's going to be a choice, a true choice here between NFL development and NIL development with maybe a little element there of staying close to home as well. Yeah, uh, Jeff, I appreciate the candor there on that. We'll obviously be watching that to see how that uh, plays out. Of course, reading everything you've got coming at dognation.com too. Hope you enjoy your weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing you back here again on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger very soon. Brandon, appreciate you, man. Have a wonderful weekend, my man. We are almost here to the start of kickoff. We are indeed the case. Uh, Thanks a lot, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I'm not really surprised by anything that Jeff says there about that. I've always sort of felt like the Winery thing was probably a difficult pull. I guess I don't wave the white flag on that yet because I don't have enough information to allow me to, but... I mean, I think we've always been of the assumption that NIL would likely end up being a, a very big factor in all, all of this. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's, I mean, he wouldn't be going to Missouri if not. I mean, I, there's just or at least he wouldn't even be considering Missouri. If not, obviously, you know, Oklahoma would say they're a big factor in this, too. It's been interesting to see how various you know people, whether they be more connected media wise to Missouri or Oklahoma or whatever have kind of thought different things throughout this i guess the georgia centric media sort of had their perspective on this too so you know kind of where you're located has kind of gone a long way towards how you've sort of discussed all of this there as well and you know i guess i'm not really surprised by what you hear from jeff Sintel said there that's always going to sort of felt like that was going to be a big factor in all this before it was all uh said and done so we'll see if anything changes with that here for right now but but an interesting update from jeff Sintel. jake Fromm, by the way coming up in just a moment prior to that let's go cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and let's think about all the really fun things that royal caribbean's got going on here right now thinking about 2024 three big exciting things to think about including the dog nation cruise now we say bigger and better than ever before here's why we say bigger and better because we're going to be in a bigger ship than we've ever been before we're going to be taking more people than we've ever taken before because the ship has room for them we're going to be doing more dog nation themed events than we've ever done before there as well and we want you to be a part of it royaldogs.com that is the website royaldogs.com it's a website that jessica slater our great travel agent specially selected for us by royal caribbean Years ago, we said, hey, Royal Caribbean, you guys need, you know, who do you want us to kind of use to help, uh, you know, book these vacations and make sure folks have a great time? Because uh, our friends over at Royal Caribbean have always said that a great travel agent will make a great cruise vacation experience even better, including, by the way, a uh, Dog Nation cruise there as well. And so Royal Caribbean said, hey, we know a great travel agent. Her name's Jessica Slater. Uh, She's terrific. Good friend, of course. And now she can be your good friend and getting you taken care of for everything you need for the Dog Nation cruise coming up April 22nd through the 26th next spring. Going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, NASA on the Bahamas, and all the great stuff there, including a whole bunch of fun Dog Nation-themed events. RoyalDogs.com, that is the website. RoyalDogs.com for more on that. So CBS Sports has some new bowl predictions out for the upcoming season. Jerry Palm, who's been doing this, gosh, what seems like a 1,000 years, 
uh, he's got his projections out. And you're not surprised to find out he's got Georgia, of course, in the college football playoff. But it's a reminder when you see these projections from Jerry Palm, y'all, this is one of those years in which the two semifinal games are really, really fun. Now, obviously, it was cool last year to play a playoff game in Atlanta, very convenient for a lot of Georgia fans, of course. But this year, it's really, to me, like when I think about the college football playoff, I think about the national semifinals being at the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. And that's where they are here this year. Now, I've been lucky to do a lot of things from a sporting standpoint in my life. Very blessed in that regard. I don't think I've ever done anything like the Rose Bowl. That was such a good time. Such a good time. And there's a part of me that would love the idea this year of kind of having that repeat experience and like doing that all over again. However, I also am a big believer. I think the Sugar Bowl is just a blast. And I've been to the last couple of Sugar Bowls when it was obviously more of a consolation prize for Georgia because it wished it was in the college football playoff. And listen, I still had fun in New Orleans because New Orleans is just sort of a fun place to be. And being there made me remember or be kind of a reminder of how cool it would be to play like the big game in New Orleans, the playoff game. I've always been really jealous of the Georgia fans who, and we've heard from some of these folks who would say, hey, I was in Indianapolis in 2021. That was the most, you know, at the time, the most recent national championship for Georgia. And I was also back in New Orleans in January of 1981, at the end of the 1980 season. They saw those two national championships kind of bookended by the 40 years. And they'll tell the stories about being on Bourbon Street after that game that night and all that kind of stuff. And I've always been like really jealous of that. So as crazy as it might, it's not crazy, different people may just think different things, but as easy as it would be to say, hey, give me a repeat of going to the Rose Bowl and doing all that all over again. My gosh, I'd love the idea of Georgia playing a playoff game in New Orleans. I just think that'd be an absolute blast. That's what Jerry Palm's got Georgia doing. Rematch against Ohio State, he says. Uh, there in the uh, Sugar Bowl. If you care, he's got Michigan, Alabama in the Rose Bowl. So another guy who seems to love mighty Michigan here. That's Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com. His New Year's Six Bowls, by the way, uh, he's got a rematch between Florida State and LSU in the Orange Bowl. That's, I guess, kind of interesting. Uh, and he's got Clemson, Texas in the uh, Peach Bowl there as well, uh, one of those other New Year's Six Bowls. Speaking of Texas, very impressive. Uh, recruiting win for the uh, Longhorns yesterday, bringing in five-star edge rusher uh, Colin Simmons. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you about this. I'm obviously not a fan of Texas. I have make them, I've picked them to make the playoff this year. I, I told you before I didn't love that pick because I don't like being a part of sort of Texas's back bandwagon that almost always seems to derail at some point in time. And I realize that the certain obnoxious level of their fan base has created a scenario where not only have they been overrated year after year after year, so many folks around college football have taken great pleasure in them being overrated. I, I, I get all of that. I am a participant in in that i totally understand that however when you go out and get a guy like simmons here right now let me tell you what i think this potentially signals i think this potentially signals the idea that texas is getting more serious about football i've told you before there is just a lack of toughness that i think has kind of plagued the big 12 i think it starts at the high school level Uh, i am not anywhere near as big a fan of texas high school football as some people are you know, I, I think the Texas high school football has been one of the things because that state has really embraced a lot of the sort of spread concepts and things like that. Uh, you know, it's sort of all offense, no defense. And I think a lot of times these Big 12 teams have sort of been all offense, no defense. Even a place like Texas, I just don't think has been as tough defensively with its front seven, things like that, as it could have been in the past. You go back and look at a signing class from a year ago. You see things like, you know, five-star quarterback, 
you know, Arch Manning. You see a lot of flash and dash. You know, you see, you know, running back like C.J. Baxter, you know, things like that. They did bring in Anthony Hill, a five-star linebacker. But, you know, the sort of Texas idea of late has been the really good offensive player. And obviously, Steve Sarkeesian is an offensive-minded coach. But they're about to be in the SEC. you got to have balance on both sides of the ball. And I think the commitment of a guy like Simmons, assuming they can hold on to that commitment, I think signals that Texas, as they join the SEC, is, a, is, is getting ready to be a little bit more like the SEC, if that makes sense. They do have the resources. If they devote that to toughness and physicality, they can achieve that. Um, and, you know, there's a chance that Steve Sarkeesian, he's had a couple of shots here as a head coach. There's a chance that he's just more ready for this job right now than he was in the past. We're going to see some of that here this year uh, as they try to march through a relatively weak and, you know, Big 12 for the, the final opportunity before they come into the SEC. Like, I, honestly, I'm very, very hesitant about any kind of thing that sort of sounds like Texas is back. Very, very hesitant about stuff like that. But I do think that Simmons' commitment yesterday is sort of a real move. I, I, think, that's, I think that's a serious act, bringing in a guy like that. And I just, you know, kind of want to take a moment to mention that. Uh, and then finally, I meant to get this yesterday. It's not even that important. Uh, but Pete Rose, I just think it's funny. Pete Rose, the all-time uh, hits leader in Major League Baseball, who no Alabama player has ever heard of, uh also i guess to a lot of us maybe most famous for taking uh tombstone pile drivers in back-to-back years at wrestlemania was flown in to tuscaloosa to speak to the alabama football team because he's banned from baseball for betting so saban brought rose in to like sort of speak to the team and and, and uh, uh you know sort of address the 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 issues related to gambling and i guess part of me it's not even, i'm not even saying that's like a bad thing necessarily but just sort of part of me wonders does this work on the Alabama players at all? Like, who is this old man telling us not to gamble, and why should we care about him? Like, they don't know who Pete Rose is. Uh, like, Pete Rose is just not that famous to somebody who's 18. Uh, so I'm not quite so sure this was, like, the like the really, like, big-time speaker series get that Nick Saban thinks it is. But I guess, I don't know. I guess after what happened to Brad Bo- Brad Bohannon is the guy you ought to bring in, the uh, former Alabama baseball coach. He got fired you know, two weeks ago for this, or at least, you know, you know, you know, just a few days ago, seemingly, you know, for his involvement in gambling, they should have brought him in to speak. Pete Rose was, you know, decades ago by now, but either way, that's Nick Saban's attempt to let his players know that gambling is a very, very serious thing. Uh, so that's Saban's task there on that. He brings in Pete Rose to do it. And so I guess he gets credit for creativity, if nothing else. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And we'll now let you hear courtesy of a Kroger fresh take from former Georgia quarterback, Jake Front. Jake, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you being here. One of our favorite parts of the week, and we're glad to have you as part of the show here today. Yes, sir, Brandon. Absolutely glad to be here. So, obviously, one of the big things on your mind right now, and obviously, a lot of uh, Georgia fans also curious about this too. Washington Commanders play, uh, should say, preseason action uh, Friday night tonight. I, I guess as folks are listening to this, we're recording this on a Thursday, but when folks hear this, it'll be on a Friday. They're in Cleveland against the Cleveland Browns. How much fun is this for you, getting a chance to kind of be in an eleven-on-eleven situation, and for you and your Commanders teammates? I guess how happy are you all about kind of playing somebody else besides yourselves for a change? Oh yeah, man, it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, anytime you get an opportunity to go out and play ball. Um, it's a blessing and a great opportunity, you know, kind of in front of you. So uh, I know we're excited, um, and I know they're excited as well. But, uh, man, just to go out and uh, beat somebody, beat up on somebody else, yeah. you know, other than our teammates during camp and uh, just be exciting for, for everybody involved. Do you get much of a sense of how, like, I guess the rotation is going to go in terms of – 
you know, the time of game that'll belong to you, the time that'll belong to maybe Jacoby Brissett or, you know, uh, uh, Max Howell or whatever else, uh, um, uh, Sam Howell, do you get a sort of a sense of kind of like, you know, kind of how some of that's going to go up or is that more dictated by circumstances within the game? Yeah, I mean, they give us a, uh, a feel about how things are going to go, but, um, you know, anytime you get in a game, things are always liable to change. Um, and that's also, too, part of the evaluation process of being able to stay on your toes, stay stay locked into the game, and, and be able to play at a moment's notice. Maybe a little bit of an on-field reunion with you and Nick Chubb, too. A lot of Georgia fans love the idea of that. Oh, yeah. No, man, uh, being able to see Nick is great. actually saw him at the end of the year uh, last season when Cleveland came up here to play us. Um, but, uh, man, Nick's doing great. Uh, man, he is just such a, a great player and a great player for this league as well. Um, and he's just going to continue to do great things as long as he keeps putting out um, these weightlifting videos of him in the offseason, just moving an enormous amount of weight, man. He's, he's locked in and he's ready to go. One of the things we've talked about in our show here a little bit this week is the fact that Georgia, one of the, you know, I guess the majority of teams in college football this year are actually starting quarterbacks that came out of the transfer portal. Georgia, one of the teams, is obviously not doing that. And all three of the Georgia quarterbacks, Gunnar Stockton, Brock Vandergriff, the guy who many people think may be eventually the starter, Carson Beck, you know, they're all guys who've sort of stayed with the program. I guess I'm curious from you on a couple of notes here. What does it say about Georgia that quarterbacks have come here and chosen to stay? And for these players who have now spent, even in the case of Gunner going into his second year, multiple years now in excess of a year plus in this particular system, how potentially valuable is that for them that they're not, you know, kind of trying to learn a new thing here? In other words, does Georgia have an advantage because of the fact they haven't had to use the transfer portal for quarterback the way that so many other teams in college football sort of have? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, I, I speak to Coach Smart. Um, and the way they're able to recruit um, when they're going out and picking young men to, to be and join a part of their football team, um, you know, they're getting good young men. Um, and it speaks to Carson, it speaks to Brock, and it speaks to Gunner as well uh, for the kind of the men they are, man. These guys are tough, they're gritty, um, and they, they love this team, they love the culture, um, and they want to be the guy at the University of Georgia, which is why they've hung with it as long as they have, and um, man, I just just big props to those guys for, for sticking with it um, and battling it out. And uh, it's going to be just exciting to kind of see what happens throughout the season um, as far as who gets it. But um, man, I really think it speaks to, to their character, uh, their competitiveness, um, and, and the kind of guys that Coach Smart wants in the program. And, of course, on Saturday, it's not one of those pivotal days as you get ready for one of those scrimmages and – you know, a lot will be learned by the uh, quarterbacks and the competition they go through there. I guess I'm curious, how much do you remember that about your own career when you go in there in a situation on a Saturday like that and you have to go out there inside the stadium, you know, competing against a great defense like uh, the Georgia defense? Like, how amped up would you get for one of those things, which is as close to the college level as we get to real football during the month of August? What was the feeling like that for you back then? Oh, yeah, man. Scrimmages were uh, a big deal. Um, and there, there are a lot of give and take. There's ebbs and flows throughout the scrimmage. Uh, they are long, long, and long. Um, man, I just remember, you know, me and Charlie standing on the sideline towards the end of it, man, like, man, we have been out here for a <laughs> while. Um, but, uh, man, they're, they're good. Man, they are, they're tough. Um, really tough for those, those interior guys, uh, who just continue to grind, lean on each other. Um, but, man, so it's a great place to, to see guys play uh, in a stadium 
uh, quote unquote, with the lights on uh, in front of a crowd a little bit. Um, you can really get the get a get a mindset and a good idea of who you, who you can trust. Yeah, temperature is usually a nice, cool, comfortable ninety-ish plus degrees too, which yeah. certainly yeah. adds to the mix yeah. there a little bit Long on that. Yeah, long and brutally hot. I want to talk about one more subject with you here, but let me remind folks it's our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation W today. And don't forget, fun thing going on this month with our friends at Kroger Chef Jr. teaming up with the Atlanta Braves. The Chili Slaw Dogs, you've heard about that as the menu item here this month. You and your kids get a chance to have a guided kids cooking experience. They learn how to make a great food item. They get some great kind of gifts to go along with that there as well. All kinds of kitchen paraphernalia, if you will. And in addition to that, this month, the uh, Braves branded apron from our friends at Kroger, too. It's just $7 per child. So if you go to KrogerChefJr.com, you can find out more about that. That's KrogerChefJr.com. The word junior spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R. Make sure you check out KrogerChefJr.com for that this month with the Atlanta Braves and every month. Every month with our friends at Kroger with Kroger Chef Jr. So this week, uh, Jake get a chance to hear from new Georgia offense coordinator Mike Bobo, who's obviously not a new name or a new face for Georgia fans. They've certainly known a lot about him over the course of years. And I know this is a topic that we've addressed in the past, but you know, what is your perspective on Bobo taking over here at, at, at the offensive coordinator spot in terms of having to fill big shoes because of the success of Todd Munkin, but also kind of the ways in which you think it might be the same as what Coach Munkin did in the past and how Mike Bobo might look to put his own stamp on this offense here going forward? Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, I think Coach Bobo had a ton of success um, in his first go-around here, uh, the offensive coordinator position. Uh, put up a lot of really good numbers, um, high passing numbers as well. Um, so he's had success before. Um, and then, you know, him with the experience of now being a head coach and then under Munkin a little bit uh, over the past uh, year or two, um, man, I, I'm excited to see uh, to see what, what he's going to be able to do. Um, you have an unbelievable amount of talent. Uh, you Brock Bowers, the receiving room, the offensive line unit, the running backs. Um, and no shortage of, uh, of good quarterbacks as well. So, um, man, it's kind of up to him, and let's just see just kind of how he wants to, to throw this thing around and um, what kind of weapons he wants to use and how he wants to use them. Jake, it is always such a great pleasure to talk Georgia football with you. We'll be rooting for the Commanders tomorrow night, you in particular, when you get a chance to be out there in the football field, or I should say tonight because we're recording on a Thursday. People will hear this on a Friday, uh, but you get the overall point here. So best of luck with all of that, and we'll look forward to talking to you very soon here as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Yes, sir. Look forward to it, Brandon. Thank you. All right, good stuff there from Jake Fromm. Tonight, we wish him well as he takes on the uh, Cleveland Browns. Obviously, Jake trying to make that roster there. You know, Sam Howell, the expected starter. There's Jacoby Brissett, who's in there too. And I think some of the, I guess, the debate around, around Washington sort of centers around, you know, will they keep three quarterbacks on the active roster? Obviously, if they do, you know, Jake Fromm has kind of emerged as like, he's not the only quarterback going through training camp, but he sort of clearly emerged, I believe, as the number three there. And it's just simply a matter of, you know, getting a chance to show what he's all about in these preseason action and, you know, have a chance to actually make that active roster for the Washington Commanders, which we're obviously rooting for him to be able to do. Really fun stuff there from Jake Fromm. Of course, speaking of fun and closing things out, we'll do so the collection of golden shoes for you here today. In fact, we'll go ahead and show the first one on the screen here. King Seabass sent this in. <laughs> really funny. Using the hashtag golden shoe. It says, Mama said we can't watch Tennessee win a national championship because we don't have a VCR. That's right, uh, King Seabass. you got to go all the way back to 1998 with that last uh, Tennessee National Championship. And, folks, that is a long time ago. And Tennessee fans have been trying to sell you on feels like 98 ever since then. 
But what it feels like to me is a 98% chance of disappointment again this year for the Vols. Uh, good stuff there, Seabass. We will give you a golden shoe for that. Next one, please, if you don't mind. Blake Seeger sends this in. So it's a Florida fan who's doing his you know little streaming video in the car. And uh, the Florida fan in this case says, I honestly believe that Florida is going to be a playoff team this year. And they're going to beat Georgia. Well, Blake shared that with me and says, check this man out. He's obviously laughing about that. And, of course, there is plenty to laugh about that if uh, you are Blake Seegers or any other uh, Georgia fan there in that particular case. So we'll give Blake a golden shoe there, too, because Florida fans being grandiose with their predictions, only to also meet and join Tennessee fans with their eventual disappointment. That is kind of what the golden shoe is all about. And then finally, there's this almost like a cover band or someone who tries to like sort of play the hits of you know maybe that someone else sort of made famous uh pablo white had shared uh this with me i think it's really funny and i don't know if this came from like i guess barstool does a uh documentary on Deion sanders something like that i guess this sort of came from that but a coach maybe that's what it came from for colorado was trying to fire up his troops and in doing so kind of took a page from kirby smart's playbook here let me see the tweet first because what i had to do is i had to take pablo's video and i had to kind of edit it because we're still sort of family friendly around here so pablo says that kirby uh is providing inspiration for the coaches out there in colorado he says but it just doesn't quite hit the same way as it does for kirby smart hashtag golden shoe so that's what pablo uh shared with me let me let you hear this and see if you notice the resemblance between what this uh colorado coach is shouting out here compared to a very famous rant from kirby smart in the past take a listen to what pablo shared with us i can't sleep at night because all i want to do is i want you to eat i want you to eat i want you to eat i want you to want this do you want it do you want it come on man so I had to edit out the expletives there on that because we're still family friendly even during the Golden Shoe. But um, it's sort of like if you've ever been to a rock concert, you know, the band plays somebody else's song. I have never seen a coach like literally almost word for word do like a complete rendition of Kirby Smart's famous I want you to eat speech uh, that somehow got linked onto the Internet uh, many years ago. But listen, if it works, it works. Pablo says it doesn't quite hit the same as it does when Kirby Smart delivers. it. That's probably true. I guess the best is always left in the hands of the original, but funny enough for a golden shoe indeed. And to everyone who submitted here to close out the week, we certainly appreciate that there as well. So I will see you tomorrow on Peachtree TV, not for high school football. We'll do that next week. And boy, we get rolling next week. Corky Kell, Dave Hunter Classic. I've got two games on Wednesday. I've got two games on Friday. In between that, Matt Stewart will have you for a couple of games there on Thursday and the early afternoon game there on Friday. Matt and I both will be a part of the games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. And don't forget, that's going to be fun because it's the first time ever that instant replay has ever been used in Georgia high school football, and it's a precursor to the state championship. This is sort of a test run on that. Uh, for the uh, Corky Kell Dave Hunter Classic Mercedes-Benz Stadium next Saturday. So that's obviously really cool. But then tomorrow we're on Peachtree TV there as well for what we call the Sheriff's Cup. Last year, it's something we kind of teamed up with with Gwinnett Football League and the Gwinnett County Sheriff. This year, Atlanta area sheriff's departments from all around our metro area kind of getting involved on that. So we'll see you tomorrow, Peachtree TV, for all of that. Stay close to Dog Nation. Updates in the UGA scrimmage. Lousy, stinking Gators. Bad time coming their way 78 days from right now. That's our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see all of you back here again tomorrow. I should say Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll talk to you then. And on video, time now for the R.S. Andrews Cooldown. R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electricity.